From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Hello there, I'm Graham VK4BB and we start this week's WIA news with that of a late-breaking story, possibly of more relevance than the Pitt Jolly divorce. The ACMA has reset the qualification equivalency of the US Technician Licence for new applications down to that of the entry-level Australian Foundation Licence. The majority of submissions to the ACMA inquiry fully agreed that the Foundation Licence was the most appropriate for reciprocal licensing purposes. Before the review, it was set at the higher Advanced Licence. WIA President Phil Waite, VK2ASD, has more in this week's text edition, plus on WIA Front Page News. And the WIA has recently met with the Australian Communications and Media Authority to further discuss the WIA-suggested LCD changes. The WIA Regulatory Council, Peter Young, VK3MV, and WIA President Phil Waite, VK2ASD, met with the ACMA to discuss those suggestions. The meeting went through each WIA suggestion to discuss them in detail. As a result, the WIA is now in a position to put a higher priority on those areas which have a greater chance of being adopted early. The WIA will be making further submission to the ACMA and will be placing that information on our website. The digitised amateur television repeater serving Greater Melbourne and Geelong has been told it has to move as the site on Mount Dandenong will no longer be available. The VK3 RTV repeater is licensed to Amateur Radio Victoria and run by the Melbourne ATV Group. The digitisation of VK3 RTV with its first digital test was June 7, 2009, just as commercial and government TV broadcasters in Australia were finding their way with the new medium. A driving force behind it has been Peter Cousins, VK3 BFG, who now reports that the tower and site at Mount Dandenong east of Melbourne is lost. He brings us news that the lease on the site is not being renewed with the tower and building to be demolished. This relocation may mean that the current system has to be redesigned with the possibility that the receivers may be installed in a different location to the transmitter. There's also the possibility of a new installation high above the western suburbs of Melbourne with links to the main system. The danger of swallowing a small button battery by youngsters is well known and now some major retailers and a battery maker have gotten together to reduce child injuries and deaths. The new code includes safety measures such as designing consumer goods where the battery compartment is secure and needs two or more independent or simultaneous actions to remove its cover. The voluntary industry code comes as 20 children are hospitalised each week after swallowing a battery. A new internet access method called AirGig that uses electricity cables has been revealed by US telecom giant AT&T, who plan to deliver high-speed internet around power lines, not through them. AirGig will use plastic antennas that deliver data signals and stick them on already existing power lines, which will create an electromagnetic field to guide the signals across the wires. Instead of tapping into the power lines like former BPL, The license-free spectrum wireless signals hitch a ride along the outside of the wire to their destination. Last week in Canberra, the Canberra and Region Amateur Radio Club ran a foundation course with five candidates. How many of the five were successful? All five. Congratulations to Tim, Brian, Gerard, Stephen and David for their efforts. 
CRARC look forward to catching up with them at their club meetings or on air once their licences come through. And the next Foundation course by CRARC is scheduled for November. Out of VK4 to the rest of VK in the world, Kuby Creek Special Event Call VI50CC, October 1st to 31st. The suggested call frequencies and modes for the October 1st to 31st special event call sign Victor India 50 Charlie Charlie have now been placed on qrz.com and on the Darling Downs Radio Club's website www.ddrci.org.au. Please note that all QSLing will be done via OQRS. No cards will be required. This is Bill VK for Zulu Delta for the Darling Downs Radio Club. This is VK1 WIA. All points of contacts from today's news stories are to be found in print when you read the web editions. www.wia.org.au. You're also 5-9 here into uh, Michigan. Mel, what, what is your call there? It keeps getting covered up. What is your call? Okay, this amendment is called. I think the 50th anniversary. Young young in the Battle of the Long Sand Vietnam in 1966. Operator is Mel, Mike Alpha Lima. The official call of Victor Italy 6 Bravo, Lima Tango 50. Yeah, okay, uh, thank you, uh, Mel, and 73. A beautiful signal into Michigan. Uh, good day, uh, good day. Bye. Bye bye, thank you. With that special call sign, Australia marked the Battle of Long Tan, one of the most well-known Australian engagements of the Vietnam War, when 108 Anzacs won against a large enemy force. The Wireless Institute of Australia had four commemorative amateur radio stations operating. For up to 30 days, the stations VI-1-BLT-50 in the Australian Capital Territory VI-4-BLT-50 Queensland, VI-8-BLT-50 the Northern Territory, and in the West, VI-6-BLT-50, which made 2,066 CUSOs to 91 DX entities and seven continents. Full reporting is expected to be in the November edition of Amateur Radio Magazine. In WIA Board Talk, the WIA Treasurer applications are still open. This voluntary position is still being advertised and maybe you can offer your expertise in serving the WIA Board of Directors. The position description includes yearly budgets overseeing the independent auditing, insurance and ACMA deed of agreement matters. Further details can be found on wia.org.au. The Chris Jones Award for 2016 has been presented to Jenny Wardrop VK3WQ for her consistent support of the Wireless Institute of Australia including its journal, Amateur Radio Magazine. The prestigious award is named after Chris Jones, the National WIA Secretary, an inspirational and passionate individual who became Silent Key in 2006. WIA Director Robert Broomhead, VK3DN, made the presentation on behalf of the WIA Board, and Jenny VK3WQ says she was very honoured to be given the award that was first announced at the WIA Annual General Meeting on Norfolk Island. WIA Director visits Queensland Radio Club. An update on the Wireless Institute of Australia has been given to those at the Tablelands Amateur Radio Club's AGM. The Vice President of the WIA, Fred VK3DAC, gave an overview of the WIA operations. The meeting raised a number of interesting questions, including the responses to some claims made about the WIA. 
The Table Lands Amateur Radio Club appreciated the presentation and expressed its continued support of our WIA. Meantime, the Sydney-based St George Amateur Radio Society will have a presentation by WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, at its October meeting. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA Amateur Radio News Service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. This is Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, from the WIA Spectrum Strategy Committee with a further instalment on the WIA's licence conditions submission to the ACMA. Having covered the proposals for the Foundation licence last week, this week will be about proposed future conditions for standard and advanced licensees. Some amateurs look on the standard licence as the Cinderella, meaning something given less attention than is otherwise deserved. The standard licence came about as a carryover from the old novice licence in the amateur licensing regime before the reform of 2004. In terms of operating privileges, the standard licence sits between the entry-level foundation licence and the advanced. This three-tiered licensing system was devised to provide incentives to upgrade from one level to another, to gain more privileges, access to more bands, the ability to use more transmission modes, and the ability to operate with more maximum transmitted power. These stages provide the opportunities to explore new things. Now, before we go any further, I think we need to reiterate the three principles behind future amateur licensing adopted by the WIA. Firstly, it should not limit or hinder experimentation with or adaptation of emerging technologies and applications particularly digital transmission technologies, including those not yet invented. Secondly, future amateur licensing is not reduced or downgraded from the current principles embodied in apparatus licensing. And thirdly, future licensing must incorporate flexibility for licensees to pursue their interests in communications technologies and applications as a self-regulating service within the framework of the licensing privileges and conditions. For standard licensees, the submission addresses three key issues access to more bands, more permitted bandwidths and increased power. As noted last week, having more bands provides a wider range of opportunities for licensees to learn and gain experience across the radio frequency spectrum. The current standard licenses permitted bands are quite restricted when viewed in the context of the intermediate level licenses in other countries. Hence, the WIA is seeking access to more bands for standards. A table in the submission compares the 10 bands for standards against available intermediate level licensees in other nations. The UK standard license offers 25 bands across the spectrum, for example. It is noted that no evidence of complaints or issues has emerged in the UK, nor is there evidence that this has acted as a disincentive to upgrade. Likewise with Argentina, Canada, Japan, the UK and the USA, which also provide wide access to bands across the spectrum for their intermediate level licensees. When it comes to permitted transmission bandwidths, the WIA seeks a relaxation of the permitted bandwidths for the standard license. The general principle is to avoid standards being stuck with using legacy modes only and to open up opportunities for them to use a range of digital and image transmission modes including wideband along with narrowband modes. 
the development of technology moves ever forward. No licensed grade should be left behind with a limited number of defined modes. And so to the question of permitted maximum power. The WIA notes that the permitted power of 100 watts PX for standard licensees was a carryover from the former novice license. The WIA suggests that, for the future, a permitted power of 200 watts PX would be a sensible, pragmatic provision for the standard licence. As all amateur licensees in Australia have to be aware of their responsibilities regarding electromagnetic emission levels, raising the permitted power to 200 watts does not create any particular or new issues. As noted, with entry-level licences around the world, the WIA notes that there is wide disparity in permitted powers for intermediate-level licences in different nations. This is illustrated in the table in the submission. Powers range from 50 watts through 500 watts to 1.5 kilowatts. That said, the submission notes that the suggested 200 watt power does not create any additional safety issues in managing compliance with electromagnetic emissions prevailing now and the experience of similar intermediate level licensees operations in other countries tend to support this. Now, for future conditions for the advanced licence. The WIA recommends in the strongest terms that future conditions for advanced licensees should represent light touch regulation balanced with responsible use of the radio frequency spectrum and respect for other stakeholders. As with the standard licence, the WIA submission addresses the three key areas, bands, bandwidths and power. Noting the loss of access on parts of some bands over the past decade or so, the WIA is seeking continuing access to bands to avoid wholesale loss of a band or bands, along with more frequency allocations. As you have heard in previous broadcasts, the Institute is advocating access to the new 60 metre band at the earliest opportunity, and seeks extending the 160 and 80 metre bands in addition to new allocations at 70 megs and 900 megs. The WIA advocates relaxation of permitted bandwidths for advanced licensees on all the amateur bands from 1.8 to 430 megs, with the aim of enabling the exploration and use of emerging and newly developing technologies. Future developments in technologies and applications are undefined, so, somehow, this has to be accommodated with some innovative specification. The growth and popularity of digital modes on all bands over the past decade or so has been nothing less than phenomenal. Foreseeable development in the mid-term, for example, will likely involve low spectral density transmissions of wider bandwidth, or dynamically variable bandwidths, able to coexist with other transmissions in overlapping spectrum spaces while providing robust information exchange. Band plans will likely have to be layered. The question of maximum power for advanced licensees is a vexed one. It is unfortunate that the regime for regulating electromagnetic emissions in Australia has conflated the compliance accountability with regulatory responsibility for the radio communications sector. In this, Australia is unique in the world. EME compliance is dictated by the Apparatus Licence Conditions Determination 2015. Given this, the WIA is committed to working with the ACMA to develop a protocol to enable those advanced licensees who wish to experiment with transmitter powers above 400 watts PX provide suitable documentary evidence demonstrating that they have addressed compliance with the Apparatus LCD 2015. To reduce the regulatory workload in the ACMA and to streamline the process for advanced operators, 
The WIA proposes conducting an application and validation process on behalf of the ACMA and then make a recommendation to the ACMA. The approval for high power would then become part of the advanced licensee's individual license conditions. When considered and compared one to the other, the proposals for future conditions for all three license grades, there are clear distinctions between them in terms of privileges, access to frequency bands and permitted maximum powers, which preserve and maintain the original principle of incentives to upgrade. Before finishing, I would like to emphasise that the Institute's submission is about making amateur radio attractive to future generations, while preserving the attainments of the past. As a result of this series of broadcasts, we have received some excellent feedback expressing a wide range of views. In response, we will be seeking formal feedback and comments from all and sundry via the WIA website. Shortly, you will find a link to a newly created Have Your Say page. Look out for it. This has been Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH for VK1WIA News. International News. Blue Hydra can expose the all-too-unhidden world of Bluetooth. Sean Gallagher, writing in ARSTechnica.com, says, My new neighbour was using AirDrop to move some files from his phone to his iMac. I hadn't introduced myself yet, but I already knew his name. Meanwhile, someone with a pebble watch was walking past, and someone named Johnny B was idling at the stoplight at the corner in their Volkswagen Beetle, following directions from their Garmin Nuvi. Another person was using an Apple Pencil with their iPad at a nearby shop, and someone just turned on their Samsung Smart TV. I knew all this because each person advertised their presence wirelessly, either over Classic Bluetooth or the newer Bluetooth Low Energy BTLE protocol. And I was running an open-source tool called Blue Hydra, a project from the team at Pony Express. Blue Hydra is intended to give security professionals a way of tracking the presence of traditional Bluetooth, BTLE devices and BTLE iBeacon proximity sensors. But it can also be connected to other tools to provide alerts on the presence of particular devices. Drone flies on wireless power. Hackaday reports that researchers from Imperial College London have demonstrated a drone powered by a 13.560 MHz radio signal. Read the Hackaday story and watch the video at the links we like when you read this week's text edition of this broadcast on wia.org.au. Oh, and uh, the distance it flew? 12 centimetres. Guess we all have to start somewhere. Morse code at Eurovision? A report suggests Morse code may be used between the heliport and the Kyiv International Exhibition Centre, or IEC, during the 2017 Eurovision Song Contest in Ukraine. An SCAS website report on the success of Kyiv in beating rival cities of Dnipro and Odessa to host the contest says... There's an idea to make a connection between locations using a type of Morse code. Guests of the Eurovision will be able to communicate from the roof of the heliport with flashing lights, waving flags with those who will be in the IEC, and in this way supporting their countries. Historic medium wave band digital contact. Experimentation and pushing the boundaries paid off for two radio amateurs, Steve McDonald, VE7SL in Canada, and Roger Crofts, VK4YB, Queensland, who made a two-way digital contact in the JT9 mode. 
This path is the longest two-way QSO on the 472 to 479 kHz band, which was granted as a secondary allocation to the amateur service at the World Radio Communication Conference in 2012. Steve VE7SL says he and Roger VK4YB worked each other on 630 metres, the exact frequency being 475.3 kHz. He says this is the first ever two-way QSO between North America and Australia on the relatively new 630-metre band. It presently represents the furthest two-way contact on this band worldwide. But I don't expect this record will last very long once the United States gets the band. The distance using the latitude and longitude values of each station, rather than maidenhead locators, precise distance 11,822 kilometres. Ironically, the transverters used at both ends were of the VK4YB design, made in Queensland, and will be reviewed by Justin Giles Clark, VK7TW, in Amateur Radio magazine. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA Amateur Radio News Service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Operational News on Felix, VK4FUQ 2016. On now, September 2325, D-Star Digital Amateur Radio QSO Party. September 2324, World Digital ATV DATV QSO Party. September 2425, CQWW Ritty DX Contest, always September 4th, full weekend. Mills are bent to come down under. Until now, the Mills on the air weekend in May has always been confined to Europe but an attempt is now being made to include Australian mills. Soon to be officially announced is a mill activation in Victoria and encouragement for others in VK to be involved. The weekend of May 13, 14 and 15 will celebrate mainly the heritage aspects of old mills. In Australia these can include woolen mills, flour mills, sugar mills, paper mills, cotton mills and timber mills. More details on what appears to be an interesting development will be on a future broadcast. VK9 LN from Lord Howe Island only until September the 27th and mainly CW on 40 metres to 10 metres. QSL to his home call NI1L. XW4XR Bruce is in Laos until the 30th of September. QSL manager for XW4XR is E21EIC. Norman Conquest Anniversary. The 950th anniversary of the Norman Invasion of England, the Norman Conquest, will be commemorated by the Phoenix Amateur Radio Club in September and October. The commemoration starts with the Battles of Fulford and Stamford Bridge, through to 26th of September. This will be followed by a Battle of Hastings commemoration on the 14th and 16th of October. Call signs are MX0PHX and MX0YHJ, and operations will be subject to prevailing conditions on the HF bands. Belgium ON. Lions Clubs International Belgian Amateur Radio Operators are QRV as OR100LCI until March 2017 to mark its 100th anniversary. Activities on the HF bands using CWSSB and RIDI. QSL via ON8ZL. We often mention LOTW or Logbook of the World. Well, SR 1400 UDC on January 16, 2017. ARRL's Logbook of the World, LOTW, no longer accept contacts that have been digitally signed by versions of TQSL earlier than version 2.0. Users of early versions are encouraged to upgrade as soon as possible, as older TQSL versions contain uncorrected defects and display inaccurate error messages. 
The current versions of TQSL for Windows, OS X and Linux are available online. To date, LOTW has confirmed some 135 million contacts for its 90,000 users. Awards Victoria National Parks on the Air The Keith Rocher Memorial National Parks Award activation period is only 7 weeks away, with 18 unique portable activations registrations so far. More registrations are expected in coming weeks, giving an excellent opportunity for activators and chasers alike. The 6th annual KRMNPA activation period is Friday the 11th until Monday the 14th of November 2016. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Inningham. Good morning, this is Robert VK3DN with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group News. Defence. Well, we may not yet be able to transmit on 60 metres here in VK, but the opportunity exists to hone our shortwave listening skills by listening. An amateur radio military interoperability exercise will take place on October the 31st and November the 1st. The event will begin at 1200 UTC on October the 31st and continue through to 2359 UTC on November the 1st on 60 metres on channels 5.3305 decimal 3465 Two three five seven zero and decimal three seven one five. During this exercise, military stations will attempt to make radio contact with stations in as many of the three thousand one hundred forty-three U.S. countries as possible. Radio amateurs are providing country status information and will receive a U.S. Department of Defense interoperability QSL card. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Radio Scouting, Jamboree on the Air, or JOTA, is on the third weekend in October. Worldwide, more than a million scouts and guides will soon take part in JOTA via amateur radio. JOTA stations are controlled by radio amateurs, although they may not be always heard at the microphone. Some scouts, guides and their leaders have their own stations, but many take part through our local radio clubs and individual radio amateurs. The 59th Jota will be on October the 14th to the 16th and may also use vision or digital modes. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio. Search continues for missing aircraft. A regular Weissen New South Wales event with the Bushwalkers Wilderness Rescue Squad and several others is in search of the Barrington Tops National Park about 200 kilometres north of Sydney looking for the missing aircraft VHMDX. Weissen New South Wales President Steve Hyman, VK2BOS, says this exercise searches for the Cessna 210 missing with five people on board in a stormy night in August 1981. Weissen was involved in the original search and in the 35 years since. The pilot of VHMDX took off Proserpine in far north Queensland, refuelled the last time at Coolangatta in Queensland for Bankstown in New South Wales, and over the Barrington Tops he radioed that his aircraft was unstable, losing altitude and may have had a lightning strike and ice on the wings. Steve VK2BOS says that about 50 were involved last weekend, but unable to find a trace. In many places they had to cut through thick vines while avoiding gimpy gimpy stinging trees that can result in severe pain for humans that lasts for days or even months. 
Some 12 from Wyson, New South Wales, met the communications challenge posed by the extremely rugged terrain. Each volunteer had rainproof communications and in contact with Wyson, New South Wales, at several command posts. A Bushwalkers Wilderness Rescue Squad team along with Wyson, New South Wales have been conducting a review to narrow down the search area. It also uses LIDAR, a surveying technology of laser scanning and 3D imaging. The plan is to solve the mystery disappearance of VHMDX, Australia's only unsolved aircraft crash. Steve Hyman, VK2BOS, told WIA News and Jim Linton, IARU Region 3 Chairman, Disaster Communications Committee, that those Wyson members present expressed a desire to return next year and continue to chip away at the huge potential search area while developing and maintaining their skills. Disasters. Are you prepared? One in three Australians will experience a natural disaster, but the Red Cross is launching its national campaign of awareness and wants us all to have a written disaster preparedness plan. While emergency services do all they can to help, the Red Cross says that the person most responsible for your well-being before, during and after an emergency is you. It's found that those with an updated plan have thought through the consequences, are more confident and have less stress and anxiety if an emergency occurs. More details are on the Red Cross website in the text edition. Meanwhile, National Disaster Preparedness Month in the United States is October, with the focal point of the American Radio Relay League, the ARRL Simulated Emergency Test, being on October the 1st and 2nd. This is when radio amateurs show what they can do to serve the community with emergency communications and technical expertise, working with other volunteer groups. They are trained beyond their required minimum to get their licence and can assist disaster responders and welfare agencies. And across the border in Canada, about October the 8th, there's a very similar simulated emergency test to prepare for disasters with radio amateurs there also heavily involved. Worldwide special interest groups VHF and above, the plumber's delight. Transatlantic tests on 144 MHz conducted between Nambia and Brazil with Marco Turbo PY1MHZ. Marco went down to the sea early in August, but while testing, the wind picked up very strongly, trees were uprooted and he had to pack up and move inland. So no signals were received during the early tests. They are going to try again in January 2017 when the weather conditions would be a lot better. Hope that goes well. Well, that's all for this week. This has been Robert VK3DN reporting from Melbourne. Finally, on the social scene, September 23-25, that's this weekend in VK4, Central Highlands Amateur Radio Club's AGM weekend at the Lake Maraboon Holiday Village. It's good day to everybody up there. And then September 30 to October 4, also in VK4, they move across to Cardwell. It's their Cardwell gathering long weekend at the Beachcomber Motel. The Ballarat Amateur Radio Group is holding their annual hamvention on Sunday, October 16. Same venue as last year, the Greyhound Racing Track Facilities. That's in Rubicon Street, Redan in Ballarat. Now till next we meet, I'm Graham, VK4BB. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA Amateur Radio News Service. 
On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.